What's going on, family? Happy Tuesday, and welcome to the Faction Quick Hits. It's your man, GB. Hope you guys have had a fantastic start to your day. Hope yesterday was great for you and uh, the like. Listen, again, a big thank you to everyone who joins us here for the Faction Quick Hits. If you're subscribed to our podcast, if you follow us on social media at the Faction Show, thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, if you weren't there, it'd be like a tree falling in the woods. There'd be nobody there to prove that there's sound. So thank you so much for your interactions, for your consistent support of all things connected to the Faction. As a reminder, of course, you can follow us on social media at the Faction Show. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, you can always check out our podcast, hopefully as you're doing right now, uh, by subscribing to them wherever it is that you get your podcast. Just search for The Faction, The Faction Show, The Faction Bonnerfied. Any of those should bring up our podcast for you. So for today's quick hits, I want to delve into the Class of 2020 WWE Hall of Fame inductee. So the Hall of Fame has been somewhat of a controversial topic for many many years we'll get into that in just a second but this past friday on smackdown it was announced that the bella twins brie and nikki bella will be the latest inductees into the class of 2020 hall of fame they joined batista and the nwo as members of the class of 2020 and so when you look at the bellas the bellas each have won championship gold debuting back in 2008 Nikki and Brie were part of the Diva Search competition. Brie would be the first to win championship gold, becoming WWE Divas champion in April of 2011, defeating Eve Torres. Nikki would follow suit one year later with a win over fellow Hall of Famer Beth Phoenix. Nikki would capture the title again at the Survivor Series 2014, defeating AJ Lee to kickstart a reign that would last 300 days, the longest in Divas Championship history. The Bellas were also involved, of course, in a number of wars with Charlotte Flair, Stephanie McMahon, Becky Lynch, etc., etc. But they've also made a significant mainstream impact with the launch of hit reality shows Total Divas and Total Bellas, along with their YouTube channel, which has over 2.6 million subscribers. So as I describe all of this, many have asked the questions, what have the Bella Twins done to deserve being in the WWE Hall of Fame? Well, I just listed their accomplishments, but does that qualify them for the Hall of Fame? Well, in my mind, no. Truth be told, they are bigger stars outside of the ring than inside of the ring. You could argue that about The Rock, but the difference is between The Rock and the Bella Twins, The Rock had an amazing in-ring career. His impact is still being felt in the world of pro wrestling. Meanwhile, the Bellas were a big part of what we know as the Divas movement, which was not marked by great professional wrestling. They did not have standout matches. They did not have moments that made us go, wow. Like, I kind of challenge all of us to think of your favorite Bella Twins match, whether it's just Nikki individually or her sister Brie. Perhaps Nikki's best moment was against Ronda Rousey at Evolution 
But even still, one match is not enough to make you Hall of Fame worthy. But then this now calls into question the authenticity of the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, I'm sure some will say you can't even question it, but I'm going to for this very reason. You know, first and foremost, we've asked ourselves for years here on The Faction, what is the process to become a WWE Hall of Famer? And truth be told, hmm. There's a wee bit of inconsistency. So let me just start by saying this. For the WWE to be, you know, really looked at as viable sports entertainment as it calls itself, when you're going to have a Hall of Fame, your Hall of Fame process should rival the Hall of Fame processes of either other sports organizations or other Hall of Fames, whether you're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the NBA Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, or the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I want to point a couple of things out to you that perhaps may help you in this process or may indeed uh, further kind of prove this particular point that we're talking about. In the NFL, for instance, to be eligible, first of all, for the nominating process, well, let's stop there. Let's start with the fact that in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, there is a nominating process right? So to be part of that process, a player or coach in the NFL must have been retired at least five years. Any other contributor, such as a team owner or executive, can be voted in at any time. Now, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, fans may nominate any player, coach, or contributor by simply writing a letter or an email to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There is a 48-member selection committee which participates in the nomination of any eligible players, coaches, or contributors, and the selection of whoever goes into the Hall of Fame happens at the behest of the 48-person selection committee. The committee consists of one media representative from each pro football city with two from New York. There are 16 at-large selectors, all of whom are active members of the media, including one representative of the Pro Football Writers of America and two members of the Hall of Fame. So if we take a look at the NBA, for instance, to be part of the Basketball Hall of Fame, to be eligible Candidates must meet the following requirements. If you're a player, the player must be fully retired for four seasons before becoming eligible. Then they can be considered for enshrinement in their fifth year of retirement. If a player comes out of retirement for a short period of time, their eligibility can be reviewed on an individual basis. For a coach, a coach must either be fully retired for four seasons or if they're still an active coach, they must have coached either as a full-time assistant or a head coach on the high school, college, or professional level for a minimum of 25 years. And then that person will be considered for enshrinement in their sixth year of retirement or the 26th year of active coaching. If you're a referee, you have to be fully retired for four seasons, or if you're an active referee, you must be an active referee for a minimum of 25 years. Taking a look at the National Baseball 
Hall of Fame. To be eligible, the Baseball Writers Association of America holds an election every year for the purpose of electing members to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. To be eligible as a candidate, a baseball player must have been an active player in the major leagues at some time during a period beginning 15 years before and ending five years prior to the election. The player must have played in each of 10 major league championship seasons, some part of which must have been within the period that I previously described. And the player must have ceased being an active player in the major leagues at least five calendar years preceding the election, but may otherwise be connected with baseball. So they decide to coach, they decide to, you know, whatever, they can be involved in that way. Now, in the case of death of an active player, or a player who has been retired for less than five full years, a candidate who is otherwise eligible can be eligible in the next regular election held at least six months after the date of death. Now, why do I mention all of this? Because all of these rules exist to ensure that the right people are getting in to ensure that there is a standard that is measurable, that is fair, that is accurate, that is provable. And here's where the problem lies with the WWE. No said process exists to be a part of the WWE Hall of Fame. So there's nothing about being eligible. There's nothing about an election process from a committee of folks. There's nothing about a nomination process. And here's why this causes all sorts of fans all kinds of angst. Because if you can't put your hand on why a particular person is part of the Hall of Fame, then it becomes a subjective movement. Okay. If you look at the Hall of Fame candidates or inductees for so many other halls of fame you can point to accomplishments that they had that made them stand out above their peers in the world of the wwe we don't have that we don't have something that says well so and so uh held this many titles or so and so made this kind of impact or so and so did this it is all super subjective and then it becomes very challenging to make something that is super subjective super authentic okay so let's just consider a couple of things for one you know the first inductee into the hall of fame was andre the giant and again it's kind of hard to argue with that certainly you look at his championship reigns there weren't a lot of them but he was a figure that was larger than life in the world of wwe and professional wrestling in general right you take a look at uh, perhaps your 1994 inductees like Arnold Skoland who was a former tag team champion and longtime manager of Bruno Sammartino the longest reigning WWE champion ever and Bob Backlund who had like a five-year reign okay you look at Bobo Brazil who was the first African-American inductee into the Hall of Fame seven-time United States champion, one-time NWA United States champion, and then he went on to, of course, break all sorts of color barriers. Listen, as you can hear, I can make a, a solid case for all of these initial inductees. Buddy Rogers, the first WWE world champion. Chief J. Strongbow, a four-time WWE tag champion. Classy Freddie Blassie, Gorilla Monsoon, and if you don't know who James Dudley is, is he was the first african-american to run a major arena in the united states so you can make a case 
for all of these early inductees. But then the Hall of Fame takes a break from 1996 to 2004. And now, again, some of the people that went in in 2004, you can make a case for with the exception of, and by the way, let me run down this list. Big John Studd, Don Morocco, Greg Valentine, Harley Race, Jesse Ventura, The Junkyard Dog, Sergeant Slaughter, Superstar Billy Graham, Tito Santana, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. You can make a viable case for all of them. But in that same class was Pete Rose. Why do we have a celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame? And then if we're going to do tag teams, why don't we have a tag team element in the Hall of Fame? The first tag team to be inducted was in 2006 with the Black Jacks, Black Jack Mulligan and Black Jack Lanza. Now you have a situation in the Hall of Fame where, number one, we can't explain why the Bellas are truly part of this. But then on top of that, we're now inducting Factions And the problem with inducting these factions is now you have made multiple guys two time Hall of Fame inductees. It was special when Ric Flair was the first, but now it's gone from one to now double digits of people being inducted twice into the Hall of Fame. And can we ask ourselves a question? Kevin Nash and Scott Hall made a great impact on the world of pro wrestling. Does that require them being inducted twice? X-Pac, Sean Waltman, he's part of DX's induction, which was just last year. And now this year he goes back in as part of the NWO. There's inconsistencies about all of this, and it makes you want to throw the WWE Hall of Fame completely out of the window. Not to mention that none of these other organizations which have teams have inducted whole teams. You didn't see the 72 Dolphins inducted in the Hall of Fame, and they were the only team to have an undefeated season right? There are things that just don't make sense. There's no place that you can physically go to touch this Hall of Fame, to to see it, to, you know, you can't do that. So I suggest WWE either invest in a building and a process for the Hall of Fame so that we can believe what you're doing or throw it all away. Because at this point, Anybody can get in. And if you can convince me that Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, and the Big Boss Man had the same kind of accomplishments as a Ric Flair, Bret Hart, and Randy Savage, then I'll listen to your argument. But I don't think anybody can do that because the fact of the matter is the WWE Hall of Fame right now looks like malarkey. They need to fix this. They need to get this right. Other than that, why pay your money to go to this? Why watch it on the WWE Network when you do not believe in the people that have been inducted? For whatever you want to say about the world of pro wrestling, induction into the Hall of Fame should be prestigious. And not only should it be prestigious, but it also should be traceable. And I can't trace the path. For the Bella Twins, nor can I trace the excuse for inducting these folks multiple times into the Hall of Fame. Doesn't make any sense. WWE, get this process together and fast. All right, I want to hear your thoughts on the WWE Hall of Fame, its induction process, the Bella Twins, and other folks who are in the Hall that maybe you don't believe should be in the Hall. Am I kind of off my rocker on this one or... 
Are you fully engaged, invested, and believing like I am? Let me know right now on our social media at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure to hang out with us again by following us on those social media channels. Tell a friend about what we're doing here as well. And join us next time for The Faction. <laughs>